Welcome back to your next stop with Juliet Hahn. In this episode, I interview Kathleen Klibanoff. I cannot wait for you guys to dive into this story. Let's just say she worked with Prince, had encounters with Madonna, and then in her later life became a mixed media artist. So this has a lot of twists and turns, but the thing that I love is that we were so in sync in so many of our thinkings, but Kathleen has an even deeper understanding of following your passion and turning it into a business. So you guys do not want to miss this one. Cannot wait for you to hear. This episode is brought to you by Together Women Rise. Together Women Rise is dedicated to ensuring that every woman and girl has the opportunity to live freely, pursue her dreams, and reach her full potential. They are a powerful community of women and allies engaged in learning, giving, and community building. Please visit Together Women Rise at togetherwomenrise.org to learn more and to join them. Have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast and that moment comes up and you think, oh my gosh, I need to share it? Well, now you can with Picked Cherries. What I love about Picked Cherries so much is that when I'm listening to my favorite podcast and that moment comes up that I want to share, I can take a snippet, which is called a Picked Cherry, and I can send that to my friends and family so they can get involved in the podcast that I love. It's almost like sending an IG or a TikTok available now, iOS and Android. If you're not picking cherries, are you really listening to podcasts? Welcome back to your next stop. I, you guys, you know, I say this every time, but I am so excited for my next guest, Kathleen Klibanoff. And we met on IG. And the thing that I love so much is Kathleen is a mixed media artist. And when I tell you every time she puts something on IG, I literally scream. And you guys, if you're watching this afterwards and you're looking at the video, this space right here is going to be, um, Kathleen is going to do, uh, do some amazing stuff for me. So Welcome, Kathleen, to your next stop. Thank you so very much. I love the idea of being a part of your universe even after this interview and just kind of contributing to that energy. That's not that I'm trying to take over the interview, but that's really how I've built my career is finding connections with like-minded people and contributing, really trying to serve first. Um, and so the fact that I could be part of that crucible there of yours would be an honor. Well, and the thing is it's, it will be, it will be definitely afterwards, but then it will be on every episode, which I absolutely love because then I will also be able to show. And as I said, really, you are beyond talented. There's a couple of things that, you know, that really got to my heart is when you post stuff about animals, Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that. And then that you live in Asheville, North Carolina. And one of my sisters lives there. So, um, Connection. We will. Yes. And my other sister lives in Charlotte. So we will be, we'll meet in person one of these, you know, within the the next year. So what I always do on your next stop is I always have my guests really kind of, we we go back. So I want to go back, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up. um, If you went to university, you know, just give us a little bit of you. Sure. And I think it's an interesting journey because it was a great deal of letting go. Like that was constantly the challenge put before me. And my father, my mother and father have passed, but growing up, it was very much what you should do. It was 
very clear mandate to get a college education and to be a professional and kind of follow a very predictable trajectory. And from a very early age, they were picking up on the cues that that may not work for me, uh, but out of love. And it was truly out of love. And I say that to anyone that's listening to the call as well. I don't feel victimized by it, uh, but they wanted me to do something they thought would make me secure. Security really was their value set. And what over the years and sometimes in, in very challenging ways, what I had to look at was what will create joy? What do I need to bring into my life so that I feel full? And the Japanese have a concept called Ikigai. I don't know if you've had anyone on your show talking about Ikigai. It's fascinating. You'll love this. So, yes, I have not. Yeah, well, here we are. Learn something new every day. Ikigai is the concept of living joyfully and with meaning. So everything you talk about, I'm just giving it a formalized name. I was going to say everything I do. So I love that you just put a name to that. Now I have to definitely oh, <laughs> research that. You have to, because we're going to be leading international retreats, you and I. So you better get get educated because it's going to happen. Uh, basically what Ikigai is, is identifying that intersection of what you love, what you're good at, what you can get paid for, and what the world needs. And that is, but it's so beautiful because that's what the world needs more of. Like, why don't we all know about this? Exactly right. I think what's happened in COVID just exacerbating what already was occurring is this model of scarcity and fear and the need to control and not being able to do any one of those things and yet not having the connections to lean into. So just creating more yeah. fear and more insecurity and more desire to control things. So just a vicious cycle and what that looks like for us as adults, me being an older adult, but one and the same is yes, I think depression, Sure, frustration, general anxiety, what it's done to our kids. I have a teenager. I know you have children is so off the charts and so much to be revealed as to how that's going to impact them on a long term basis. So, you know, as parents, we're trying to control things, we're trying to keep from dying, and all we're getting is this information you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, you know. <laughs> I, and that trickles down to them, and they're kind of looking at us like, okay, can they protect me anymore? Am I right. safe? You know, so their, their definitions of what safety looks like. So, anyway, part of what Ikigai is saying is the more effective model of moving through the world is one based on trust and the belief in abundance. Yeah. And so you have those pods that I mentioned, you know, what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid for, what you're great at, and where they intersect is this concept of this experience of Ikigai. And it doesn't necessarily equate to a career. Not necessarily. Right. It's nice when it can 
have that double helix effect, right? Where it's something you can make money at and yet, you know, you lose track of time and it's, it's fun and it's playful. And one thing you are, which I've observed consistently is you're very playful. So I know you're in your joy, you know, yes. you're like losing track of time and you're all into the story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So to, <laughs> to give people access to that emotional freedom, wow, like what a gift to move out of that scarcity model where we feel like we have to control things and we have to know things and we have to prepare for things and go into that where you can like open your arms, release, flow, lean into, you know, in, in vulnerable moments, all of those things being very conducive to intimacy and connection. So you hear me speak a lot about that in my post. What is the ultimate end game? It's connection. It's relationship. Yeah. It's sharing of the wisdom. It's contributing to the greater good. And I'm not saying that in some sort of esoteric way, like really contributing, like digging in, finding out what your free space is, finding out that icky guy, you know, gathering it up and bringing it to the table. Um, so how that looked in my career was I went to college, not to the college I wanted to go to, um, which was for theater, which was my first love in the arts. I'd gotten a scholarship to go to Northwestern, which at the time was a top theater school in the United States. But I wanted to kind of reconnect with my family because I had gone out on my own when I was 15. So yeah, I was the rebel. I was the black sheep. I, you know, <laughs> I was the unknown quantity. <laughs> And so I said, you know, what mattered to me at the time, and it was the right thing, um, was to connect with them, to reconnect with them. And I did that. So I went to a, a local college just saying, I guess I need to get a college education. But the universe has always taken very good care of me. It's because I trust the universe. And so I got an opportunity to go work with the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences in Los Angeles and did an internship with them and then ultimately graduating and getting an internship at BMI in New York City, which is a performing rights organization. And I went, I started in the PR department, but obviously my talents were falling more in relational capacity. So I started doing um, songwriter, singer-songwriter, uh, like an A&R, if you're familiar with the music industry. Yep. And I was very good at connecting people. I started a program in the city called Collaborators Connection, where I put together songwriters and singers and musicians and managers and producers and was very good at identifying raw talent. So like Arrested Development, if you know anything about hip hop, that was one of the, the bands that I discovered. Yes. And as a result of doing what I did again, really very much my free space. And I was, you know, living in New York City, living that life to its fullest. Um, I caught the eye of Seymour Stein, who uh, was Madonna's mentor and label initially, and Prince. And I guess, you know, when if you look on paper and you say, you know, what's one of the high points of your career? 
it pro- in most people's eyes, would be a weekend in Hakash. Oh I think now we're talking uh, 94, end of 94, where I met both Prince and Madonna in one weekend because they both wanted me to run their New York office. Wow. And it just so, <laughs> this is funny. It just so happened that when I went to Madonna's, I was wearing overalls. I mean, I can't tell you, I was, you know, <laughs> always the artist way, way, way out there. So here I'm meeting an icon and I show up and, you know, like a farmer's outfit, but um, <laughs> I'll never forget pulling up to her gate and it, somebody was driving me, but hit the buzzer and they said, you know, who's here or whatever the thing is they said and I just screamed cat and the doors opened and that was kind of my ego at the time like I say my name you open the doors and that's just the way this needs to go right I met her beloved self and we got in an argument within 15 minutes and I'll never forget getting a call as soon as I left her house she'd asked me to go out with her that night I said no I really can't I mean I was just it was I was not right. Right. Um, and her <laughs> manager calling me and saying, no one does that. Like, you know, but I still was offered the job. I decided I'd go with Prince because I thought we would get along better. <laughs> but that was a really rough ride because that was around the time he became a symbol. Okay. He right, dropped I remember his that. name. So like yep. my job was going to be very, very, very difficult. And it was, it was like that alchemic process where you're so squeezed and challenged that it's like, you're, it's a deep burn, right? It's a deep burn where you really have to reassess your value set. Like, is this really what I want? Yes. On paper, this is a dream job, you know, and I was making a lot of money and all that good stuff, but it was costing me my sanity. I mean, I wrote a one woman show, which I later actually performed, um, off, off Broadway, but I wrote it while I was working for him and it was called love, lover, loveless. Not that I was his lover. So let's not be misled, misled with that. But it was that feeling of just being pulled apart. And, you know, people throw that word around love. But when you're really being dissected, that is the glue. And when you don't have the glue, it really, those threads become very separate. And that is not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So I was offered another job to be the VP of A&R for, um, a record label called Pendulum Records. It was under the EMI umbrella. And I worked there for about two years. At the time, I was moving very, 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 very fast. And in keeping with that, I was a runner, you know, in terms of exercise. And I was at the gym. Now, this is around 99. And I pulled something in my hip. Okay. And I, you're, are you a runner? I think I want to say you do run. No, you know, it's, it's funny because you were in the city at the same time. So I have all these questions because I, I was in the city at, in 99 as well. It's when I met my husband. I lived in New York City for a long, long time. Um, and I actually worked... 
I worked for a company called Farm Farm Club. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember Farm Club. It was Jimmy Iovine's. It was like where they were trying to get the like a website and uh, television together. It was like this whole new thing. They went under. But um, I so to bring it back. I am. I work out a lot. I played two sports in college. Uh, running, I do not enjoy. My sister loves to run. I do run on occasion, especially with the dogs. Um, but I'm like you know a, a, a two mile or one mile, or I'm not a long distance runner. So I'm going to let you go back to. You're a runner in New York City. You're not going to go there. Um, Yeah, we definitely, I'm sure we've crossed paths, and I just love that. So I was a runner, pulled something in my hip. Of course, I kept running because, okay, I don't have to explain that. Well, but that's what we do. I mean, I've, you know, as I said, I, I've worked out and I will have like my arm constantly, my elbow is constantly a little twinged, but I don't do anything about it because I know that exercise is what is good for my brain. Like I need to exercise. It's not just about like, I, I yes, I want to look good in my jeans, but it's about my brain. Right. It's about my brain. It really, yeah. it kind of settles me. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have kept running though. It, it turns out. And I left for Vancouver the next day. It was, um, just a pleasure trip. I was with a, a girlfriend of mine and I couldn't walk. I was completely immobilized. My hip completely froze. And she said to me, have you ever had acupuncture? And, you know, I was not living that world. I was living a very different world. And I was like, no, but I'm open to it, you know, but no. So this is where the real reveal is. I go see the acupuncturist. He comes and he takes my pulses, okay, because you know there are multiple. And he looks me in the eye and he said, you're dying inside. And he walked out of the room. That's insane. My gosh. How old were you at this time? I'm about 32. So I've gone through Saturn returns. I don't know if you know what Saturn returns is, but I've gone through that and I'm coming out on the other side. But it was time for that shift that structural shift because your life does do that it like recycles you know every 27 to 29 years and I'm sitting there he's not in the room anymore and I knew he wasn't telling me I had cancer like that there wasn't confusion around that but when he said I was dying inside I also took that very very seriously and I basically went back to New York City and left the industry. Wow. I mean, that, you know, I know you said universe, and I talk about this on the podcast all the time, whether you believe in God or the universe. I've had, I've had other guests come on and it's, it's exactly that where they actually weren't listening. They just were at a pace they were going and it literally was God or universe that was like, no, you can't do this anymore. You're sick and I'm going to make you stop. And so it is a really, that's why I always say to people, they need to listen. They need to listen to their bodies. They need to listen to their gut. They really, as we get older, um, we get better at it. I think, you know, some of us do, some of us don't, but when you're young in your thirties and you're at your prime and you think this is what you want, but there's something in you that it's not your path, right? It's not what you're meant to be doing. And it, it, you kind of fell into it. You're good. You're obviously a talented person. So whatever you got into, you're going to be good at, uh, to an extent, but mentally you weren't there. So, um, 
I think it's so, it's so powerful to have those experiences where it's like, nope, you're not doing anything. And that's, you know, I talk about this on my podcast. I had that kind of experience in college when I was going for corporate fitness, that was my major. And we can get into a whole conversation of that, you know, college is not for everyone, but it was my path. It it actually is what it really, I learned so much about myself because my dyslexia, I realized I was good in school. I wasn't stupid. It just was, I wasn't, you know, learn, I wasn't being taught how I should be taught. So it's all of those things. So for me, college was important uh, because of those things, but I hurt my back and I had to take anatomy and physiology like the same time. And it was like, wait a second, I was going to rely on my athleticism and my personal skills as my career because I knew that I didn't want to there were certain courses that I didn't want to take because I was like, for my dyslexia, that would have just been torture. And it wasn't my path, obviously. So that's why I went into communications, which, you know, even out of college, you know, I went into advertising sales because I was like, oh, I'm really good, you know, a people person. And I didn't see myself as a creative. So it's really interesting how the universe or God, you know, whoever you believe in really takes you through those zigzagging parts. And that's what I, you know, this is why I want this podcast out there just so many people because I want them to hear this story and, and them being in that situation, being like, holy crap, I'm experiencing that right now. What is, what is my path? So you, you quit the industry. So and were you also, were you talking to your family at this time? Were you, you know, still yeah, close with them? We were talking. Um, I would say it took me some decompression time before I came to earth. You know, I, I went from the industry to a life of theater and I designed a maternity line and I designed a couture hat line and I've just all sorts of creative abundance and outbursts. So I still really wasn't in a grounded, settled place. Then I met my first husband and he said, people are always calling you, you know, for help and everything. And you're not charging for it. So you need to charge for this. And when he said it again, I knew the universe was saying, Hey, you can get paid for this. Like it's okay to ask. It's okay to receive, which again, probably wasn't something I was taught early on. And so I'll never forget the next day, a friend who was also on wall street. And that became kind of my pool of clients called and was asking, you know, for, advice. And I said, and I remember shaking inside. I said, I'm going to start charging for this. And so this is what, this is 2000. No. Yeah. 2002. And I said, I'm going to start charging. He said, sure. What are you charging? And I just grabbed a figure. I said, a hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> I said, done. So at, in 2002, a hundred an hour was, was a decent decent rate. Yeah. Um, and so that's what started me. And then I went and got educated, you know, and, and the path I decided to take was I want to know what's happening behind the curtain. Right. So I, I got into clinical hypnotherapy where I'm not really buying much of what people are saying, but what they're feeling and what's moving around back there, whether in their dream life or just when they're vulnerable, that's the clay, right? That's where we can start sculpting and, you know, modeling a new life. So that was the the path I took was uh, to, to get into hypnotherapy and start helping people, you know, find out what's blocking them 
because a lot of folks have had early trauma of some sort and it's affected the writing on the wall, you know, the shoulds versus the must. I should do this. I should be this instead of what's driving me. What's my joy buttons? You know, what am I passionate about? What's my icky guy? You know, that's not necessarily a conversation they're going through because they're still living in reaction to early beliefs. Right. So that's when I did that. And art has always been in my life. Like I said, it was theater really first. And then anything creative. My parents weren't, again, big proponents of it. So it wasn't like I had all these tools, but I obviously had, you know, markers and pencils and paper and, and I loved found objects and just being real resourceful with all of that. But, you know, art has come in and out as I've become more busy with having a baby or, you know, moving or whatever the life transitions were. But I decided to go art full-time in 2019. So fairly recently. And I went from that outward facing world. And this is another thing that I think your listeners will reflect upon is like, where in the labyrinth are you? Are, have you ever walked a labyrinth? I have not. No, okay. but I, I mean, yeah, familiar I'm familiar with, with it. They yeah. So they're not a maze. Mm-hmm. It's one way in one way out. But when you're walking a labyrinth and it's a, a meditation tool, you're moving towards the center. You're like, oh, I'm going to get to the center pretty quick because you know, you, you're know you rounding a curve and you're facing the center. And then all of a sudden it changes 180 and now you're facing out. And right. it, it reflects those times in your life where you are more inward facing and you're more outward facing. And it takes both to work through and resolve whatever question you know, you're posed with, whether that's relationship or career or health or any number of things. So I recognize I spent a lot of my life outward facing and the art has really been an incredible inward facing journey. And to bring us back to the way we started the call, I love animals. I think animals are messengers And again, Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in some sort of way out their way. They're so in their skin, like they're not in their heads. They're they're all about instinct, whether they're wild or they're domestic. They still have strong instinct. So they know when we're sad, right, or when we're upset. And they obviously do what they can, you know, to support and love us. And I lost my Moses um, during quarantine. He was my great Pyrenees. I have his brother still, but it was very hard losing Moses. But he would always know what I needed, you know, and many times it was just that grounding. You know, part of my my art was to capture animals. So, no, but what a beautiful story. And that's, you know, this is what I love about this. I love having this podcast, this space, this platform to be able to share stories like yours, because what an, you know, an amazing career, as you said, you didn't see, because usually we, I take it back to your parents and okay, where did you see art where your parents super gifted and creative. And a lot of times it, it is like, Oh yes, you know, my dad did this on the side or this, but it didn't, doesn't sound like that that happened in your life. However, it might've been one of them was very creative, but it was stifled by their parents. And then they just kept doing it down the line. Right. So there clearly was 
creativity in, in, in your family. I mean, you, you just don't come out, you know, but you know, everyone has a talent. So you have to have some, it has to be some lineaging of a little, you know, a line of that. So do you, when you think back, do you ever remember like a grandparent or like were what, which one of your parents do you think had that gift of creativity that was stifled? So my father, who was the scientist, and really, we locked horns a great deal growing up. He, he was embarrassed by my expressiveness. It was very right. contrary to what made him feel safe. He was very buttoned up. But his, it would have been his grandmother was an artist, and she painted mm. on glass. And she did landscapes and beautiful work, but not, not what I would want to do, but she did it. And obviously she was very in love with it and did a great job. It, it was interesting though, because my father kept saying to me, but you do realism so well, like, why don't you do more of that? And again, I think that's the only level of art that he was ever exposed to was, you know, kind of documentation stuff. Um, but yes, so there was that. And my grandfather and I'm so bad with this and I need to have my sister on the, on the call because she does the family tree and has all of those yeah. bits and bits of information. <laughs> but my grandfather, so my father's father was an inventor and he invented, I hope I get this right. The switch <laughs> that they ended up using for the nuclear bomb Hiroshima. I mean, so right. creativity that he didn't know was going to be abused. Right, right. You know, so that right. takes no, a great deal of creativity, but when it gets taken out of context. Right. You don't know. But it's it's so interesting because as you just said that, like I had uh, on my dad's side, there was an inventor um, that that created the reflector. So that reflecting thing, his name was Minto Williams. Great. And so it, it's so interesting. Like when we do go back and think about it, even though maybe our parents didn't do certain things, but there was something. And again, as you said, and you said it so beautifully, it wasn't that your parents were doing it on purpose to hurt you. It's just what they, they knew best. Um, and so for you, for you to kind of, you know, spread your wings and go your way is, is interesting. So a couple questions there, how did you end up in, in Asheville? And then what is your, when you started doing the, you know, the mixed media, uh, art, like, um, how did that come about? So Asheville, really was an example of me being very impetuous. You know, we lived in Huntsville, Alabama. That's where I met my second husband and where I had Jackson. And Huntsville is very progressive and is blowing up right now. The FBI is moving there, et cetera, et cetera. But it was a little too conservative for me. And so it was really, right. you know, my husband's an entrepreneur and I could be anywhere. So we just kind of looked at the map and did some travel and ended up here. And then literally we were here for a year. And I, again, one of these moments where I just was overcome with inspiration, mm -hmm. um, I said to him, I said, you know, when I worked so hard and I saved X amount of dollars, I want to spend that money. Um, and I want to spend it going around the world. So we took Jackson out of school 
and spent six months going around the world. Jackson was 11. Brilliant. That's one of the things. And I don't, I don't regret, I don't regret things, but I definitely, um, or I look back and be like, I wish I did that. But that is something that I, I, I should have done at some point in our lives because that would have been something I would have totally done. And I think my kids would have really benefited. for my husband, probably wouldn't have loved it. And that's probably why it really never, never came up, but yeah. we love to travel and he yeah. loves to travel. It's just his job at, you know, sure. at the time, really through his career, wouldn't have been able to been like, yeah, let's take six months off. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things that I always think, oh, you know what? That would have been something I did. So that is amazing. I love that you did that. And that's when you were in Asheville. Yep. And just said, you know, yeah, we just got here, but now's the time. And it really was the time because that would have been 2018. And then we know what happened soon thereafter. So it was divine. Um, I, you know, when I'm looking at my icky guy, I look at the things I love. And this really is a perfect segue from what we're talking about and then moving into texture. One of my biggest loves is travel. And another one of my passions is texture. I love tactile. So when I decided that I'm going to really work in the sculpting universe, I thought, you know, what is my signature? Like what, you know, what is it that I want to do that's going to make me happy. That's going to allow me to be fully expressed. And that's why I went into the whole 2D, 3D universe where I was sculpting clay models and then making silicone molds and then casting and then taking that resin cast and putting it on a wood panel. And and you just taught, and did you just teach yourself to yes, do that or I did just, you? And that's, yeah. And so, I'm not recommending that, that for everybody. <laughs> no. Well, I was going to say, but that just shows that you are, I mean, you are, you were created as an artist. I mean, everything that you have done is art, art, art. So I do want to take you to traditional school. How was traditional school for you? Or did you go, to, or did you go to a private school? And I know this could be a whole conversation and we're 33 minutes in, but traditional school for me. And I, you know, did not think of myself as a creative person. I thought of myself as an athlete because, you know, I was told somewhere down the line that I was not creative, um, but not by my parents, but like, you know, by a, a teacher or something, but that's because I thought I couldn't, because I couldn't draw. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I didn't think I was creative, but like traditional school, I could imagine for you was boring. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I made up for it, you know, so I was always, um, doing theater and I, decided to compete in dramatics. So I traveled around the United so States. That. Yeah. Um, competing in debate, debate as well as theater. So I, w- I found my outlet. I did. Um, Which is so smart. So that, yeah. yeah. So people need to hear that. Like, because I said, because my daughter is um, like, she's a reader. She's really introspective. I mean, she re- loves to read. She's reads um, like, um, you know, uh, I want to say it's like a, Greek mythology mm, kind of books like that, that, that kind of love genre. It. Yeah. She loves, knows so much about it. You know, when she was like 10, I was like, Oh my gosh, okay, this is interesting. But I, you know, sometimes traditional school, even though she's really good at it, she's like, I'm so bored. And I'm like, I don't love that word. Like, don't say bored, figure something out that can make you not bored. Let's figure this out because you're smart. If you're smart, you're not bored, right? You could create things in your mind. Oh, the imagination. And that's, the path for everyone, whether Mm -hmm. they're finding the next step, their next stop, or they're healing from a decision they made that may not have turned out exactly as they intended. 
is to allow your imagination to bring you back to balance, you know, to really allow your mind to explore different paths and not make one good and one bad, but really stay, you know, in a, in a loving with detachment state, you know, where you're just really curious versus attached. My son does not like school. Um, I grew up, you know, the academic, like you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. So I did it and I did it well, but yeah, you just got through it. I got through it and I didn't pursue, I didn't go to school for art. I didn't go to school for acting, you know, and my brother, who's a very, very successful engineer was like, I couldn't believe it when you didn't go to school for, you know, acting or art. He said, I know it was mom and dad, you know, their influence. Yes. Ultimately, I'm accountable, right? Like I decided not to take that path, but it wasn't a mistake. It just was very circuitous. You know, I went a little bit of here and a little bit of there. But you learned, you know, that was your path, right? You learned what you needed to learn from that. So that, so I think it's so fascinating that you taught yourself art and, and, and there's things that, you know, people need to hear in that too, is that your fear, like you're, you're not scared of failure. So you're like, let me just try this because you're confident in who you are and confident in what your abilities are. So you started doing that with the textures and then where did that lead you? Well, it's deleting me. Um, I right now, and I know I have so little time with you, but you must come visit and, and we'll take this up over a glass of wine. But now I am incorporating what I see as my long-term play, which is bringing nature and my love of nature, animals, nature medicine, and coupling that with the art. So I'm working with mycelium, if you know anything about mushrooms. So this is the, the yes. fibrous network under the forest floor, frequently referred to as the wood wide web. <laughs> I think I got that wood. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's under our feet and we don't know it, but it's connecting us. It's connecting tree to tree, tree to plant. The animals, you know, are very much a part of that spreading and reinforcement process. And it, of course, supporting the animals. Um, so I'm trying to take the art play and bring it into a healing modality. So I love that the long term and how I was joking with you, though, not joking with you at the opening of the call is I would love to do international resilience retreats, which is all about creative healing where you're Mm -hmm. taking nature and creative expression and allow people to do that exploration we just referred to and get in alignment with their next stop, you know, yeah. let go of what no, that was. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I, I am in. I'm totally in. I mean, I think that's so fascinating. So can you tell people where they can find you so they can also see your beautiful work? Yeah. They can find me at Kat, Kathleen Clip Art Instagram or KathleenClippinoff.com is my website. And spell it. Because oh, any okay. of my dyslexic listeners are like L E E N K L I B as in boy A N as in Nancy O F F dot com. <laughs> Very long. You better put a link in there. <laughs> oh, this this will be in all the show notes. Yes, all of yeah. all of your stuff will be in the show notes. And truly, I mean, you guys, the next you know few you know 
podcast, you will be seeing Kathleen's work because it is, it is so inspiring. It's so wonderful. It's so gorgeous that it's just, um, you're, you're, I, I didn't realize how multi-level you are and how, uh, multifaceted you are and how just, again, as I, you said, this is too short. We will have you on one of the live shows because we could get into conversations. Oh, yeah. You and I could talk for uh, years. I mean, we could, could, we could literally a very long time. <laughs> it could. Um, and I, and that's what I love. I love meeting people that I can do that with because that is my passion. It's passion is, is meeting people and learning about them, hearing how people's brains and, and lives work, because that just fascinates me because it just shows how amazing the brain is, how amazing human life is, how, how amazing humans can be that we all just need to listen to each other. We all need to hear each other's stories and take something from each person's story and take that and then put it into your life. And, and, and you know, what, what I love, what my takeaways from this are is that, um, you know, you led a very interesting path, but you were told, okay, you need to stop this by, you know, basically a doctor, like this is not good. And then you kind of explored yourself. You let yourself go and you let yourself go without fear. And yes, you probably were scared at some points, but you didn't let it hold you back. And I think that's such a beautiful way to live life. And I feel I live that way as well. And I want more people to live that way. Don't think about what your neighbor is doing, what your friend's doing, what this person's going to say, because I'm sure there's people that you're like, well, how are you start? Like, you know, artists that were already in the field would say, I can't believe she's just trying this. And then when you go see Kathleen's work, you're going to be like, I can't believe she self-taught herself. This is incredible because you were given such a God's gift or universe gift, whatever you want to talk about. And it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So I am so honored to have you on your next stop and we will have you on YNS live in the next few months because I want to, and we'll be able to display because we can go live after we, you, you, you create what um, we're going to do together um, with, with the boxers. So everyone will know I will be seeing the boxers behind me um, every time I record, which, which I love this. This is my husband and I, when we got married, it's a beautiful picture. It is. Um, it's in Philadelphia, but it's not big enough. Like it looks big enough now, but it really is. It's too small. It's like that this wall is bigger than that. So, um, I just, you know, thank you again for taking the time and joining your next stop. And, um, you guys, you know, you know what to do, like share, take this episode and you know, there's people in your life that needs to hear this. You know, that there's people in your life that are like, you know what? I know that my, my, you know, my sister, my aunt, my cousin, someone in their life needs to hear an inspirational story like this one, send it to three people and get it out there. And you guys can follow me on all the socials. You can get me on, you know, IG at I am Juliet Han, J U L I E T H A H N. That's my Twitter, you know, my website, I am Juliet This episode will go out, uh, you know, and, and, and again, it's going to be one of those episodes that you're going to want others to hear because it's so amazing. I'm going to skip downstairs. I'm going to tell my husband about it. I'm going <laughs> to, when I pick my kids up <laughs> from school today, about it. tell your daughter about it. Uh, what I will say in keeping with what you said and in, in closing, that it truly is never too late. You yes, know, I, I get love it. that. I get, some people don't find that joy when they're a teen or when they're in their 20s or in their 30s, but it, it's you still have something to contribute, you know, and to not lose touch with that because it was brought in to serve a purpose. You have a meaningful mission and it behooves you in terms of fulfillment to go explore that and embrace it. Yes. 
And right. We all live one life, right? So it is, this is what I say. And, and we didn't get to talk about this, but I'm going to say it here because my listeners know, but that's why daydreaming or meditating is so important and finding the way you do it best. And I talk about this on my podcast all the time for me, sitting in a quiet room, not thinking of anything is like torture. My brain never really stops. So for me, I have to walk. I have to walk. It's when I walk my boxers is when I create and when I create the best, whether it's what I want for my life, what I want for my kid's life, what I want for my husband's life, or, hey, I'm thinking of this. I've always wanted to try this. How does this look? And it's when you start creating those, those things in your mind is when you actually, the God or universe starts putting a little Absolutely. bit more things Rally in your path. And it's, Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, shout out again where everyone can find you. And again, thank you so much for joining your next stop. I'm so happy that we connected on IG. Oh, this was a pleasure. It really is so nice to find like-minded people. I think that's, again, part of this is to have your A-team and not feel like you have to do anything by yourself. I think that level of connection is key, a key ingredient. So people can find me at KathleenKlibanoff.com or on Instagram at KathleenKlibart. And there's the link tree there that'll take you here, there and everywhere. But that's, that's a good place to start. And I, I hope I see some of your listeners at the international retreat. (laughs) <laughs> that we're going to host. Yes. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Cause that's going to be a fun one. <laughs> that's right. Thank you so much again, Kathleen. I so appreciate it. I hope you liked this episode of your next stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends and join in each week. 